0: This is a trigger warning that the following podcast talks about eating disorders. There are also mentions to suicide and sexual abuse. If this affects you, please hear the show notes for resources.
1: Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door
0: Happy 30th episode of the Eat With Allie podcast. Hi everyone, I hope you are having a wonderful day today. And I hope you're excited for today's episode, which is all about eating disorder research and statistics. So today's episode has a bit of a theme of eating disorder awareness. And all of the facts that we'll be talking about today are based in Australia. I want you to keep in mind throughout today's episode that these figures are a statistical overview only. And so not all of the research that is being talked about today will be applicable for everyone because everyone's eating disorder experiences are very individual. And on top of that, eating disorder research is very limited in Australia. However, the research discussed today has been provided to us from Eating Disorders Australia and the National Eating Disorders Collaboration. So if you'd like more information, go head to their website. So I'll pretty much just be repeating and going over all of the information given by these sites to help you be more aware all about eating disorders as it is so important to spread awareness. Also keep in mind that as we get more information about eating disorders, these statistics may change but at the time of this podcast, this is what we got. Let's try to learn a thing or two today, shall we? We will discuss different types of eating disorders and facts about them, an overview on eating disorders, eating disorders and age, gender, Income, education and ethnicity, co-occurring conditions, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, the LGBTIQA community, athletes, eating disorders and COVID-19, causes and risk factors of eating disorders, also mortality, economic impact, body image, dieting and social media, and also treatment and recovery with eating disorders. So before we get into all of that, you're probably just on the edge of your seat wondering what it is that I'm proud of myself for this week. Yeah, well, I played a lot of board games, which is fun. Me and my boyfriend love playing board games together. But we also played these escape rooms. And I didn't know that this was a thing, but it's like an escape room in a box pretty much. So one of them that we played, we played this over the course of the week, by the way. Not all in one day because, gosh, they go for a long time. Anyways, the first one we played was more of a family edition and the first level of this game was fairly straightforward, but then the other two, it just got a bit more challenging, which was exciting. And yeah, we worked as a team. We had a few friends over. It was a blast. If you want to play this, by the way, I would highly, highly recommend it. It's called Escape Room, the game, family edition, jungle. It comes with a full decoder box and stuff and you like stick these keys in and you can only know what keys to put in once you figure out all the codes and yeah it was super super fun. Go play that, just google the box. But then we started playing another version. This one is called Exit the Game Theft on the Mississippi and might I say we are fairly intelligent human beings My boyfriend, in other words, is a genius. And I cannot explain to you how fucking difficult this game was. Is, because we couldn't finish it. Might I just mention as well that this difficulty level was 3 out of 5. So I don't know what in the sane heck difficulty 5 out of 5 would have been like. My boyfriend got his friend to come over the next day to try and figure it out because it was that ridiculously hard. And we weren't able to get it then either. So, my mission for you, if you choose to accept, is to go and get this game. Get all your clever and fun. Just get everyone, get everyone together. Get everyone together. And try and finish this game it was extremely difficult. We're only about halfway and we're stuck. We also have not looked at the clues because we're determined to figure it out on our own. But yeah I don't see that happening anytime soon so I'd love for you to go and get this game. You know what I'm literally going to link it in the show notes because this is my challenge to you. And I want you to try and crack the code and if you do don't give me any spoilers but I'd love to know if you did I know you can do it. I know you're a smart little cookie. But I'm curious to know, are we overthinking this particular level? I won't give away any spoilers. Just let me know once you actually finish the entire box and then we can discuss on my Instagram or something. But yes, I'd love to know whether or not we're just overthinking certain moves, which is making it extremely difficult. But crikey, this is a challenge. But hey, you know what? Segway. Our eating disorders are also a challenge and we overcome our challenges, we overcome our fears and we say goodbye to our eating disorders. So with that, let's get into today's episode about different research and statistics to do with eating disorders based in Australia to really just help you also know that you are not alone and there are so many different groups and people and circumstances that make us be affected by eating disorders. And all of our stories are different. They're not all going to be the same. But I want you to know that you are not alone and you can heal. I know you can and I hope that you do believe that as well or you are starting to. And the more you take part of all these consistent healthy habits, well, you're on the right track. It's time to recover. Also, speaking of the escape room, I have a nice funny surprise for you at the end of this podcast because just as I was finishing recording... I got an update with this escape room so stay tuned to the end to find out stay tuned stay ears peeled and learn something from today's episode thanks so just to start off a quick few facts about eating disorders did you know that eating disorders are often related with other mental health concerns including depression and anxiety eating disorders are also often defined by changes in behaviors thoughts and attitudes to food eating, weight, or body shape that interfere and detrimentally impact upon an individual's life. Eating disorders can also negatively impact the individual's life physically, emotionally, occupationally, and socially. Eating disorders can be experienced by people in a way to help them function by numbing their emotions, providing distractions, or a sense of accomplishment. People that are struggling with eating disorders may feel that their eating disorder helps them feel in control and can form a part of a person's sense of who they are. So eating disorders are often a way of dealing with underlying personal, emotional and psychological difficulties. So let's first talk about the overview of eating disorders today. The number of people in Australia with an eating disorder at any given time is estimated to be around 1 million or approximately 4% of the population. And Australia's population is currently 25.69 million people. And when you combine eating disorders with disordered eating, it is estimated that Australians affected is 16.3% of the population. Also, binge eating disorder and other specified feeding and eating disorders are the most common eating disorders and they affect approximately 6% and 5% of the population. And anorexia nervosa and bulimia nervosa each occur in below 1% of the general population. And percentage wise, people with eating disorders, 47% of them have binge eating disorder, 12% have bulimia nervosa 3% have anorexia nervosa, and 38% have other eating disorders. Now the prevalence of eating disorders, like how common they are, did you know that many more people experience disordered eating? And disordered eating are behaviours consistent with an eating disorder, such as restrictive dieting, binge eating, laxative use and vomiting. And these disordered eating behaviours do not meet the criteria for an eating disorder so 31.6 percent of australians which is approximately a third of adolescent australians engage in disordered eating behaviors within any given year and since the late 1990s eating disorder symptoms are increasing weekly for example binge eating is increasing at six times the amount since the 1990s and strict dieting is increasing at almost four times and other cognitive eating disorder symptoms, like increased dieting and decreased quality of life, which also have parallel increases. They're increasing at the same time. So to get into the different types of eating disorders, we'll start with binge eating. The lifetime prevalence of binge eating disorders for females ranges from 2.5% to 4.5%. And for men, it ranges from 1% to 3%. It also has the latest average age of onset of all eating disorders, which is estimated to be approximately 25 years of age. Anorexia nervosa has a lifetime prevalence for females ranges from 0.3% to 1.5%, and this is based on international data. And for males, it ranges from 0.1% to 0.5%. The average onset of anorexia nervosa is 16 to 17 years. However, more and more younger children are becoming affected. And bulimia nervosa, also based on international data, has a lifetime prevalence for women in between of 0.9% and 2.1%. And for men, the percentage ranges from 0.1% to 1.1%. And bulimia nervosa has an average onset of 18 years. And with that out of the way, let's get into some age statistics to do with eating disorders. Now, although eating disorders can affect people of all ages. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some
1: not so much like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com.
0: They have been diagnosed in those younger than five years and older than 80 years. Adolescents are also at great risk with the average age of onset for an eating disorder ranging between 12 and 25 years old. And between the ages of 12 and 25, 75% of people diagnosed with anorexia nervosa are between this age and 83% of people are diagnosed with bulimia nervosa. Now when it comes to gender, 63% of people with eating disorders in Australia are female and 37% are male. With the exception of binge eating disorder, women and girls are more likely to experience all types of eating disorders than men and boys. However, binge eating disorder, there is almost equal prevalence. So approximately 80 to 85% of individuals diagnosed with anorexia nervosa or bulimia nervosa are female. And 15 to 20% of people with anorexia nervosa and bulimia nervosa are male. Also, 15% of all women will experience an eating disorder in their lifetime. we got to fix that! And on top of that, eating disorders are the third most common chronic illness in young women. So eating disorders and disordered eating behaviours in boys and men may present differently than in girls and women, particularly with muscularity-oriented, disordered eating. Research also suggests that transgender people whose assigned sex at birth does not match their gender identity are more likely than cisgender people whose assigned sex at birth matches their gender identity to have been diagnosed with an eating disorder or to engage in disordered eating. And research also indicates that both trans spectrum which are those that are assigned male at birth and identify as women or on the feminine spectrum. And transmasculine spectrum, who's assigned female at birth and identify as men or on the masculine spectrum, are individuals that had higher levels of disordered eating and body dissatisfaction than cisgender participants. Also, an Australian study found that 23% of transgender young people have a current or previous diagnosis of an eating disorder. And did you know it is suspected that the actual percentage of men with eating disorders may be much higher as they are more likely to be overlooked or misdiagnosed by clinicians. No. Now let's talk about eating disorders and income, education and ethnicity. So most people with eating disorders have similar household incomes and education levels as the general population eating disorders also occur in all ethnicities, nationalities, and cultural backgrounds. There was also a 2019 review that found that any one-time prevalence of eating disorder is 4.6% in America, 2.2% in Europe, and 3.5% in Asia. When it comes to eating disorders and co-occurring conditions, Eating disorders are frequently associated with other psychological and physical disorders. This includes depression, anxiety disorders, substance abuse and personality disorders. So approximately 55 to 97% of people diagnosed with an eating disorder have a mental illness related condition. Approximately 45 to 86% of individuals diagnosed with an eating disorder have coexisting depression. 64% approximately of individuals diagnosed with an eating disorder have coexisting anxiety disorder. 58% of individuals diagnosed with an eating disorder have coexisting personality disorder. And among adolescents, approximately 88% of individuals with bulimia nervosa, 84% of individuals with binge eating disorder, and 55% of individuals with anorexia nervosa have had one or more coexisting mental illness at some point of their lives. There's also research that indicates that anxiety disorder, especially social anxiety, can precede the onset of an eating disorder and higher rates of disordered eating have been described in chronic health conditions that require dietary modification including celiac disease cystic fibrosis and diabetes and people with diabetes both type 1 and type 2 may be two times as likely to develop eating disorders and slash or disordered eating which is likely due to the nature of the illness including factors such as weight gain, obsessions with food, and feelings of loss of control. With gastrointestinal conditions such as irritable bowel syndrome, they are more prevalent in those diagnosed with an eating disorder, although research is unclear if symptoms are resulting from or precede the eating disorder. And there are also research that suggests that people with inflammatory bowel disease, including Crohn's disease, and ulcerative colitis may struggle with maladaptive attitudes towards eating which therefore makes them at a higher risk for developing disordered eating and or an eating disorder however more research specific to these conditions is required so comorbidity is when a person is at increased risk of experiencing another mental health or medical condition at the same time as having an eating disorder So comorbid conditions that are experienced with people with eating disorders may be connected to their eating disorder symptoms and behaviors, for example, osteoporosis. However, for other comorbidities, it is unclear if there are any connections with the direction and mechanisms. So when it comes to mental health, research suggests that over 80% of adults diagnosed with an eating disorder have at least one more psychiatric disorder. The most common psychiatric comorbidities that are associated with eating disorders include mood disorders example major depressive disorder anxiety disorders example generalized anxiety disorder or social anxiety post-traumatic stress disorder which is PTSD and trauma substance misuse personality disorders example avoidance borderline obsessive-compulsive and sexual dysfunction and non-suicidal self-injury. And medically, the following comorbidities have been shown to have an increased prevalence in people living with an eating disorder compared to the general population. So this includes type one and type two diabetes, polycystic ovarian syndrome, PCOS, weak or fragile bones, example osteoporosis, low blood pressure, which is hypertension, digestive issues, example, irritable bowel syndrome, joint pains, headache and migraines, menstrual problems, example, loss of menstruation, and sleep problems. And we all know how important! And of course, every other medical condition that I just mentioned. So, when it comes to eating disorders and Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, Although research is limited, it has been estimated that eating disorders incidence is much higher in Indigenous populations. It is estimated that up to 27% are affected. A recent research study found that 28% of Indigenous high school students have an eating disorder compared to 22% of other Australian teens. And binge eating disorders are as common, if not more, among Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander youths and research suggests that 30 percent of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander young people are extremely or very concerned about their body image. Now, people that are LGBTIQA are at greater risk for disordered eating behaviours. Gay, lesbian and bisexual teens may be at higher risk of binge eating than their heterosexual peers. And a review from the United States found that lifetime prevalence for eating disorders is higher among sexual minority adults compared with cisgender heterosexual adults. However, more detailed research is required. So according to the National Eating Disorder Association, risk factors that may contribute to disordered eating and eating disorders in the LGBTIQA communities include... Fear of rejection or experience of rejections by friends, family, and co-workers. Having internalized negative messages or beliefs about oneself due to sexual orientation, non-normative gender expressions, or transgender identity. Experiences of violence and post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, which research shows highly increases vulnerability to an eating disorder. Another risk factor is discrimination, due to one's sexual orientation and or gender identity. Another risk factor includes being a victim of bullying due to one's sexual orientation and or gender identity. Another risk factor is discordance between one's biological sex and gender identity and inability to meet body image ideals within some LGBTQ cultural contexts. Thank you, Eating Disorders Victoria. So eating disorders with athletes, did you know that disordered eating can occur in any athlete, in any sport, at any time, across boundaries of age, gender, body size, culture, socioeconomic background, athletic calibre, and ability. Yeah, overall there is a higher prevalence of disordered eating and eating disorders in athletes compared to non-athletes. It is also estimated that up to 45% of females and up to 19% of male athletes experience disordered eating and or an eating disorder. Research also shows that people who engage in aesthetic, gravitational and weight class sports such as weightlifting, boxing, horse racing, rowing, gymnastics, swimming, figure skating, and dance are at higher risk of disordered eating and or an eating disorder. But of course, just like everything else we've talked about, this can vary depending on the individual. Also with COVID, people with an eating disorder may be at increased risk of exasperation of symptoms during the COVID pandemic. This includes greater levels of anxiety and stress due to social isolation. Also, initial Australian research indicates the COVID-19 pandemic has negatively impacted eating disorders with an increase in restriction, binge eating, purging and exercise behaviours in those with eating disorders, and increased restriction and binge eating in the general population. Now let's talk about eating disorder causes and risk factors. So, there is no single cause of eating disorders that has been identified. Eating disorders develop from a complex interaction of psychological risk factors, socio-cultural influences, and biological and genetic predispositions. And disordered eating is the most significant risk factor for the onset of an eating disorder. Sociocultural influences are theorised to play a considerable role in the development of eating disorders particularly amongst individuals who internalise the western beauty ideal of thinness. And common risk factors across all eating disorders are gender, ethnicity, early childhood eating and gastrointestinal problems. Other common risk factors include negative self-evaluation, sexual abuse and other adverse experiences. Also, it has been identified that there are some personality traits that can make people more susceptible to developing anorexia nervosa and bulimia nervosa. This includes perfectionism, obsessive compulsiveness, neuroticism, negative emotionality, harm avoidance, low co-cooperativeness, core low self-esteem The best-known environmental contributor to the development of eating disorders is the sociocultural idea of thinness. Also, recent research indicates that genetics play a substantial role in the cause of eating disorders. Heritability estimates range from 22 to 76% for anorexia nervosa, 52 to 62% for bulimia nervosa, and 57% for binge eating disorders. So we're going to talk about eating disorder mortality and suicide. Eating disorders along with substance use disorders have the highest mortality rate of all psychiatric disorders. So the mortality rate of those with anorexia nervosa is higher than other eating disorders. One of the leading causes of death among people with anorexia nervosa are cardiovascular complications. And the rate of mortality of individuals with bulimia nervosa and binge eating disorder is lower than those with anorexia nervosa. But still it's significantly higher than the general population. And people with anorexia nervosa are more than 31 times more likely to attempt suicide. And those with bulimia nervosa are 7.5 times more likely to attempt suicide than the general population. And suicidal risks are higher when eating disorders occur with other psychological conditions. So when it comes to eating disorders and economic impact, in 2012 the total social and economic costs of eating disorders in Australia was estimated at sixty nine point seven billion dollars. And this included the health systems, productivity and carer costs. And direct financial costs total one $17.1 million dollars and the burden of disease costs are $52.6 million dollars and in Australia eating disorders are one of the 12 leading causes of hospitalisation costs due to mental health issues. Eating disorders are also among the leading causes of burden of disease and injury in young females in Australia. And inpatient expense in the private hospital sector of treating a single episode of anorexia nervosa has been reported to be the second most costly condition. And this is after cardiac artery bypass surgery. Now, let's get into some body image dieting and social media stats. Number one. Body image has been listed in the top four concerns for young Australians from 2009 to 2018, with 30% concerned about body image. Research also shows that up to 80% of young teenage girls report a fear of becoming fat. And nearly 23% of Australian women report a self-over evaluation of weight and shape, meaning that they think that they are larger than they are, according to BMI. It has also been reported that more than 55% of Australian girls and 57% of boys aged from 8 to 9 years old are dissatisfied with their body. Also, nearly half of Australian women and one-third of Australian men are dissatisfied with their body. And weight-related teasing in children is associated with disordered eating, weight gain, binge eating and extreme weight control measures. And when it comes to social media... Social media use has been linked to self-objectification, and using social media for merely 30 minutes, a day, can change the way you view your own body. And there was also a study on teen girls that reported that social media users were significantly more likely than non-social media users to have internalized a drive for thinness and to engage in body surveillance. Also, weight loss dieting is a risk factor for the development of an eating disorder. And dieting frequently precedes the onset of an eating disorder. Also influences for binge eating are dietary restraints. And high frequency dieting and early onset of dieting are associated with poorer physical and mental health. It is also associated with more disordered eating, extreme body dissatisfaction and more frequent general health problems. So now, let's get into eating disorder treatment and recovery. Did you know that it is estimated that 75% of people with an eating disorder do not seek professional help? There are reasons and barriers for not accessing treatment including stigma, shame, denial, failure to perceive the severity of the illness... Costs of treatment, low motivation to change, lack of encouragement and lack of knowledge about how to access helpful resources. The most effective treatment for eating disorder is personal-centred care tailored to suit the individual's illness, situation and needs. And the average time taken to recover from all types of eating disorders after seeking treatment is one to six years. And when skilled and knowledgeable health professionals deliver treatment, full recovery and good quality of life can be achieved for the majority of people with eating disorders. And with that, that ends all of our research and statistical facts from today. I hope you guys have learned something in all of the different categories that we talked about today. As you can see, eating disorders do affect all different types of people from different races, different genders, just everything. So please don't ever feel alone. You deserve to treat yourself with kindness, you and your body, and your mind. And hey, you would have learned a few stats from today's episode, so good job. So keep learning, keep recovering, keep on being strong and courageous. I know you can do it. And with that, listen up, because now I'm going to let you now hear what you've been waiting for this whole episode. Yeah, that's right. What happened with the escape room, you may ask? This is what happened. Update, by the way. You know how I said my boyfriend and I were doing that escape room? Well, he's been working long and hard on it, and I think you used a hint, did you? What happened? Share.
2: I had to use three hints because it was so hard. It's very tricky. It's too abstract. Is it? Yeah.
0: Any tips for them that go and try the game?
2: <laughs> no, this one's too hard. <laughs> the escape room game is really fun. Very abstract thinking. Um, However... This one was too difficult, and it would have been absolutely impossible to solve it unless I looked at the hints. I feel like I'm cheating, but it would have been absolutely impossible. In fact, I was looking at one of the bloody riddles, there's ten riddles, I was looking at one of them for about four hours total, trying to figure it out, until I finally caved and looked at the hint card, which I felt filthy for doing, (laughs) and it said that I didn't even have the clue card that I needed. So, that was a bust, so I had to go look at one of the other ones, and I couldn't solve it without looking at another hint. And now I'm just going down the hint cave. I'm falling down the hint hole and I'm looking at all the hints. And some of these riddles are borderline impossible. I would be shocked if anyone on the planet ever solved it themselves. There you go.
0: (laughs) Thank you, baby.
2: (laughs) However, I am still enjoying myself.
0: (laughs) Well, you heard it here first. It was too hard and it was too abstract. Let's see what you can do. I'm sure you can figure it out. However, all I've heard for the past (laughs) 10 minutes or so is, what, oh my gosh, coming from my boyfriend as he discovers the answers. So, try it if you dare. Well, I hope that made you inspired to try this escape room and to really give yourself a challenge. You've learned from this episode and you can learn from the escape room too. Trust me, it will really test your mind, this escape room. Remember, it's in a box too. So get all your friends together, get your family, work on it solo, whatever it is you want to do, you do that. You stay tuned for next week's episode of the Eat With Ally podcast. And until then, remember to eat with Ally.